0: Um, Katie, what are we talking about today?
1: You. We are talking about you
0: today. Oh, do we need to say, welcome to Grace All Around, a queer faith <laughs> podcast?
1: Is this going to become a thing that we, like, just Always remember forget at to... some point? <laughs> <laughs> podcast.
0: Yeah, uh, welcome to Grace All Around, a queer faith podcast. I'm Della. And I'm Katie. We're engaged.
1: That's true. And Katie, what are we here to talk about today? We are here to talk about you. What about me? Um, About... Uh, how you were raised, how you came to be in the church that you are are being at currently, and um, all of those things. Yep. How do you how
0: how did you get here? All right. Almost twenty three years ago, <laughs> in a little town known as Red Lodge, Montana. Mm-hmm. I was born to my parents, Anne and Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was their firstborn child. Also. The first grandkid on both sides of the family. I think that has a lot to do with how I am as a person now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's very
0: spoiled as a as the first grandchild. <laughs> yeah. So I was born in Montana. My mom was a had been working in uh, different youth things, the Boys and Girls Club. My dad was a restaurant owner. Um, the year I was born was the same year that his restaurant moved from. The little place that they had been in previous to a big building that they had built themselves to be the restaurant. So that was a big deal. Yeah. So my dad was a restaurant owner. My mom uh, stayed home with me. And then two years later, my brother came along. Bjorn. He's, I don't know. I sound so (laughs) sad that my brother came along, but he's my best friend. So (laughs) True. Red Lodge uh, is a town of about 2,000 people. So it's pretty small. My dad's parents lived in Red Lodge with us, and my mom's parents lived just an hour away. So I got to live in, like, a really tight community of my family, and that was kind of really nice. (laughs) Kind of really (laughs) nice. Uh, And we went to a church in Red Lodge, a Lutheran church in Red Lodge that was pretty small. Me and my brother were basically the core of the Sunday school and youth programming there. There was certainly lots of other kids Some of them I'm still friends with. One of them is one of our bridesmaids, actually. (laughs) I remember that church as being a lot of old people. I was I was a child though, so like a lot of people (laughs) were very old. Old people is uh, is a generalization. (laughs) Yeah, but I wouldn't say there was like I wouldn't say there was an abundance of families. Mm -hmm. My dad, while we were there, started uh, working as a lay leader, lay minister in the montana synod which meant that he would do pulpit supply for various congregations when their pastors needed to go on vacation or something a lot of small towns in montana only have one pastor so he went to like some classes for that but he hadn't gone to full-on seminary yet but then spoiler alert <laughs> um, in 2008 ish i think um, my dad decided that he really was being called to be a pastor and so we moved from montana to the Twin Cities in Minnesota, the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And yeah, my dad went to Luther Seminary for four years. My brother and I started going to school there, which was ended up being really great for us. The school district we went to was a lot more diverse and just bigger. My entire high school ended up being like the size of Red Lodge, my hometown. Mm-hmm. So that was 2008. So I was in fourth grade. So I was pretty young still. Yeah. But we still did a lot of... We would go back to – especially while my dad was a student, uh, we would go back to Montana for, like, all of Christmas break and lots of the summer and a couple other trips then. You know, I think it's kind of easier to travel when your kids are in elementary school and don't necessarily have a lot going on. Yeah, it's easier to just be like, hey, we're going to go. Right. I remember traveling a lot when we were, like, in elementary school. As my dad was almost done with school, I think is how the timeline of things – worked out or maybe right after he finished my dad graduated in 2012 my mom decided that she wanted to be a funeral director and so started going to school for that and graduated school for that so i got to see both of my parents graduate for my mom uh with a bachelor's degree for the first time so that mm-hmm. was exciting my dad's degree is a master's in divinity hmm but yeah, I really liked having students as parents, because they were home a lot, and if I needed to be picked up in the middle of the school day for something, they would come get me. <laughs> I mean, like, most parents would, but it was, yeah, like, very cool, and um, they would host study groups at our house, and so I would get to go to sleep listening to my dad and his best friend uh, play drinking games to learn Hebrew down in, <laughs> down in the dining room, <laughs> I'd, like, be like getting ready for bed and i would just hear dad and ethan go nasa <laughs> like when, every time they got a flash card right <laughs> they took a drink <laughs> um, as good college students do <laughs> right good college students with uh wives and children yeah although actually at that point just my dad had a wife and kids <laughs> ethan was not even right. when we moved so we had been going to this small lutheran church in montana and then also every now and then we did stuff at my mom's parents church in billings i like i remember doing Some kind of, like, VBS there or something. And a couple Christmases, we spent Christmas at that church. So that community, too, I think has become more important in recent years to me. Oh, I remember, like, traveling, like, the four of us traveling with my dad to do different, like, pulpit supply things. So that was Montana. And then when we moved to Minnesota, we did a little bit of church shopping. We moved there in the fall in time for school to start for all of us. And then by the spring... I don't remember a lot about the church shopping that we did, but by the spring, we found this community then called Jacob's Well, now called Fabric. So, if I say Fabric and Jacob's Well, that's who I'm talking about. (laughs) It's the same community. And Fabric was wonderful. They were a little bit more contemporary of a church than any of us was used to, I think. They are ELCA affiliated, but... A lot more hippy-dippy. They didn't really (laughs) wear the ELCA label, like, on their sleeve. It was kind of a secret. (laughs) Not a secret, but, like, uh, they were more interested in being church for people who don't like church Mm -hmm. was the tagline at that point. Yeah, I remember it being, like, so exciting to be a kid at Jake as well, too. It was a lot more young families. There was a ton of kids, it felt like. And a lot more people my parents' age, too. My parents were actually kind of even on the older end of the spectrum for people there, which was awesome. And they met in a middle school on Sundays. And so every Sunday was going and setting up and then tearing down. My family, I feel like very quickly <laughs> became very involved <laughs> in fabric. And so my mom is still really good friends with the like person in charge of all the youth stuff there and also became in charge of all the youth stuff there. And so, yeah, it was awesome all of the, so like elementary school age kids every sunday it was like full-on like vbs like i remember one of my first sundays being in this room that was like dark and there was all these like colorful lights on and this big screen with projections on it and like costumes and all this theming and like a puppet show it was a vbs week and it wasn't like that no it was like that every sunday <laughs> Because he just goes so hard. like lots of music, lots of games, lots of crafts, and all of that would happen while the regular church service was happening for the adults. Mm. And so it was kind of split up by age group, which was awesome because I felt like I was having my own church experience. And it was the first time that I remember feeling, like, oh like faith, like this is a faith experience being geared to me specifically, and not just like, oh, we have a Sunday, and we have to throw on something for the kids too. Yeah, that was awesome. I really loved being a kid at fabric. Yeah, and so then we got really involved. It felt like very quickly. Um, (laughs) My dad ended up doing his, so part of uh, getting a Master's of Divinity through Luther Seminary is an internship. And usually that's like an internship year, your third year of school, and you could be sent anywhere in the country to do it. My dad kind of was like, that's not going to work for my family (laughs) to be sent wherever. And they're like, well, lots of families do it. And he was like, no, it's not going (laughs) to work. So my dad ended up doing his internship with Fabric one of the things that happened while we were there is Jacobswell decided to branch out and try to add another location to the church because it was growing very quickly. And so that was called Jacobswell Longfellow. And my dad and my mom kind of became central parts of the team that led that, like, sister community. So my mom planned all of the youth stuff with Heidi, but then executed it on her own with the help of other volunteers. And my dad did a lot of the planning and execution for the other, or for the, like, adult service. I remember being in the nursery. I was in, like, fifth grade at this point. I'm sure there were adults around. (laughs) I I don't remember a lot. (laughs) But I think that's more of just me remembering, like, this, like, added responsibility and Mm -hmm. not, like, actually being alone with babies. Right. But that's where I would spend my Sundays is in the nursery. So I didn't get a lot, like, I felt like during that time, church was not just, like, go for an hour it was like an all-day thing Mm -hmm. or at least an all-morning thing and then we would go out and have lunch after or just go home and I'll take naps because we're so (laughs) tired from the day but I remember that time is not being I've never talked to my parents about this but like I felt like it was a lot of us pouring into the community that we were trying to build and not a lot of getting anything back Mm. like I don't remember a lot of like growth in my faith at that point If anyone, I feel like my mom probably feels that, too, because she was with the youth every Sunday. She didn't get to go to, like, regular church and hear a sermon geared towards her. But I don't know. It still was a great experience. My dad graduated from seminary in 2012. During that time, my, uh, my grandparents, his parents, had been running the restaurant in his stead. Part of the reason we would go back to Montana for all of Christmas break and all of the summer is because my dad needed to run the restaurant that he owned (laughs) um and so but my grandparents were there helping with day-to-day operations and that kind of thing we also had a great staff who would like help with stuff but for graduation my grandparents gifted to my dad his keys to the restaurant (laughs) back So my grandparents were retired before they even moved to red lodge to help run the restaurant and that was before i was born so at this point it had been like 15 years since they had been retired so my dad Then started this schedule of... He would go to Montana for about two weeks, run the restaurant, come to the cities where we were because my mom was in school. And also, no one wanted my brother and I to change schools again. We both really liked the school district we were in. There was a lot of opportunities for us to engage in different activities there that we wouldn't have had in Red Lodge. And so, my dad would go to Montana for two weeks, come back for a week or so, sometimes two, and then go back for two weeks. And... We commuted. He commuted like that for two, three years. It was a long time. <laughs> Basically, the routine was like: Dad would come home and do all of our laundry, and then <laughs> would leave again. <laughs> like, you know, and cook us some good meals. And my mom is a great cook too. But my dad has a restaurant background. So it's yeah. Really also,
1: good. she was busy like being in school
0: and also yeah being like, a full time raising two kids and raising two kids. And like, my brother and I were pretty independent by then. I would say as I mean, but we still needed to be driven places. I wasn't driving yet. Right. During all of this time, they were trying to sell the restaurant, but not really succeeding in selling the restaurant. 2015 was when we were like, you know what? Enough's enough. Let's just close the restaurant and then try to sell the building. Not try to sell, like, the whole business. Or I keep hitting the table. Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably looking at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we all flew out to Montana for the weekend, had this big party with a bunch of people who had... Worked at the restaurant before or had just been a part of supporting us in running it and then, yeah, shut the doors. That was the end of the restaurant. My dad stayed for, I think, another month or so to kind of wrap things up, get the building shut down, that kind of thing. And then he moved back to Minnesota and it really did feel like my dad, like, moving back in with us. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he was so present during the times that he was – but, it like, now I look on it and I'm like, okay, my dad lived in Montana and, like, I lived with my mom. But their marriage was, like – I don't know. They've never given me reason to think it wasn't strong during all of that, so. And then when my dad moved back, he started pursuing a call. Um, Do you want to explain to listeners Yeah, what so a that call <laughs> in, in the ELCA. So when you graduate from seminary – that doesn't really mean that you're a pastor yet. <laughs> um, you can certainly fill a pastor spot, but when you kind of become an official pastor is when you're ordained. You, you become ordained by receiving a call to serve a congregation. So, I don't... I should ask my dad to explain this to me, but there are different synods in the ELCA kind of split up by state but some states because they have a lot of lutheran churches have multiple synods minnesota is one several yeah yeah so like we both work in the northeast minnesota synod but my dad is a part of the saint paul synod but then there's also the minneapolis synod and also like the northwest minnesota synod like (laughs) so the twin cities aren't even in the same synod because of but then all of montana
1: is Is the same synod Synod. yes so think of it like like sports Like, you have sort of, like...
0: Conferences. You have
1: conferences and, like, regionals and then, like, state. So, like, the ELCA is, like, national. And then you have your, like, synods are, like, the smaller. And then there's communities within that and then specific churches. Right. So, like, that's kind of how that, like, quote-unquote hierarchy goes.
0: Right. And there's some kind of process for determining, like, how a pastor gets assigned to a specific synod. I got the impression that my dad didn't do it right like, <laughs> like like he might have been called to a synod but he was like that doesn't work for us
1: yeah <laughs> and this so really, it's weird because it's not the same as like getting other jobs
0: mm-mm. so what'll happen is like a church will need a pastor because their pastor has decided to leave for whatever reason and they will determine with help of their bishop and their synod What they are looking for, what this congregation needs in a faith leader. This is typically while they have an interim pastor. Oh yeah, so an interim pastor is someone who serves to like bridge the gap between the pastor who has left, especially if they if that pastor has to leave quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because that'll become important in a minute. Yeah, (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah. So a congregation will have an interim pastor. And then we'll be determining what kind of pastor they need. And then the synod will put forth a couple of names in their roster of pastors who need jobs or who are looking for calls. And, you know, then there'll be like, it's, you know, like any job, then a couple interviews. And then the church will generally vote on whether or not they want to extend a call to a specific pastor. Mm -hmm. So in 2015, when my dad moved back to the Twin Cities, he went to both the bishop's in the Minneapolis and St. Paul synods, and was like, Hey, I'm ready for a call. They're like, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was assigned to the Montana synod. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He's like, Okay, I'm looking for a call. Luckily, both of those bishops like him a lot. Uh, <laughs> and yes. So they were like, Of course, Peter. Um, anything for you, Peter. You're so charismatic so rude, and but and wonderful, Peter. My dad does leave a, lead a charmed life, <laughs> <laughs> as my mother likes to say. Uh, so, he came back and was like, I'm ready to look for a call and ended up, I remember him interviewing and his name being put forth for a, di- a couple different congregations. You know, it was one of those things where like, we didn't talk a lot in detail about some stuff that like might not happen. You know, sometimes it's not like worth it to like tell your kids that you might be moving churches when you don't know if you're going to. Right. So at some point my dad ended up serving as an interim pastor for a congregation in New Brighton minnesota which is close to where we were living but not close to the church that we were going to close to fabric and so we were kind of like straddling like the gap between going to this church my dad was serving at and going to this church that we had been going to for Mm -hmm. a long time so like i remember still doing youth group stuff with fabric but then most sunday mornings we were spending time at this new church and then also both of our schedules just got busier like I was becoming more committed to, I was a junior in high school at this point I was mm-hmm. becoming way more involved in my high school theater program my brother was in the Minnesota boy choir and becoming involved in our high school theater program it, we kind of just like fizzled out of going to Fabric <laughs> just because it like we got hard to drive across the Twin Cities every right. day to go because they were in Minneapolis and we were in St. Paul mm-hmm. and that church was looking for a new pastor but my dad kind of through being there was like you know I'm not the guy for this
1: like, long-term.
0: Mm-hmm. And they also were like, yeah, you're not the this. But, like, <laughs> yeah. in a nice way. Like, I think the way that churches go about looking for pastors is very much more about – because, like, a pastor is not just any job. Right. Right? It's a – it is the leader of the community. If you're in a church with multiple pastors, it's a leader of the yeah. community. And so, so it's you kind want of to deal. make
1: sure that you are hiring somebody who – is in line with what your church believes but also in line with where your church wants to go
0: yeah and so i think and no pastor i don't think any pastor wants to end up in a call where what they want from a congregation is different than what the congregation wants for themselves Mm -hmm. and so it's a lot more it feels like a lot more mutual that's always the impression i've gotten from it Mm -hmm. and walking through this with my dad so he's the interim pastor at that congregation and then he ended up being the interim associate pastor at another congregation in the twin cities but then the senior pastor there was also retiring and so then he became like the interim senior pastor kind of but then you know the church was already like involved in a call process Mm -hmm. so it's not typical in the elca that, you're, that you will call your interim pastor to be your pastor. Actually, most of the time you cannot. Yeah, it's actually against the rules. They won't <laughs> let you. <laughs> um, you're
1: not supposed to. Because it's too easy to be like, well, right. we like him enough, like well, whatever. Yeah, it's
0: hard because your interim pastors, they're helping you through this time of transition. Mm-hmm. And you obviously are going to have a deeper relationship with an interim pastor than you are with just any candidate that may not have interacted with your congregation before. Right. So my dad was an interim pastor at this congregation. But his bishop and him and his congregation all were like, well, but we think he'd be a really great senior pastor for us. (laughs) (laughs) So how they ended up, like, breaking the rules on that is the congregation had to vote on whether or not they would call my dad before they were allowed to look at any other candidates. Mm. And if they decided, no, my dad would continue to serve as their interim pastor. Right. No hard feelings and would help them through that call process. But they weren't allowed to, like, get names for other options until they had decided on my dad but the congregation voted to call him mm-hmm. so this was sometime in my senior year that was decided so now that my dad had an official call from a church he could actually be ordained <laughs> this, my dad graduated in 2012 mm-hmm. this was he was ordained in uh early 2017 so it took a while i yeah. mean he was running a restaurant in the yeah that's there. i would say probably not super typical like if you no, want to get usually, a call yeah you, I, I would can. say it's usually faster Yeah, I I remember it was an especially big deal because some churches, not all, some churches don't like communion to be presided over by a not ordained pastor. Mm -hmm. And so my dad couldn't preside over communion at his own church. Yeah, because he wasn't Um,
1: ordained yet. And so
0: like a retired pastor in the congregation had to come up literally just to preside over communion. (laughs) And And I like, I remember my dad just like he thought it was the dumbest rule in the world yeah it's i'm exposing yep. him right now <laughs> uh yeah so my he got the official call and then we had the ordination ordination is like a big uh it's a big ceremonial church service in the you know, like it was a big deal uh we went to his home church that he had been my dad grew up all over but the church he was baptized in happened to be in the cities mm-hmm. and so we held the ordination there and my mom and my brother and me and my grandpa sang, and there was a lot of pastors there from different points in my dad's life and a lot of family and friends, and it was great. And then we went and had an after party at uh, one of the funeral homes in the <laughs> company that my mom works for, which was awesome. So my dad is still the pastor of that congregation. It's called Prince of Peace. Lutheran in Roseville, not to be confused with Prince of Peace Lutheran in Burnsville. Also not to be cl- confused with Prince of Peace probably so other places, so many places <laughs> in the Twin Cities. Yeah. <laughs> like, so my dad is a senior pastor there and that community felt like like a home church community. They welcomed us. My brother and I quickly became involved in youth group stuff. There was like a little like youth choir that we did. The music director there did a lot of music stuff with our High school and middle school, so we already kind of knew him and he knew about us, and so like pulled us into the fold really quickly. And very quickly, we felt very much at home there before my dad was even called there, mm-hmm. but especially after. So th- that's that church. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I moved to Duluth for college. Before we move
1: on to college, um, how were you thinking about your faith at this point in your life?
0: It was important to me. But not super um i think more at that point more important to me than my personal relationship with god was being the pastor's daughter Mm. because it's kind of like a very visible and vulnerable place to be um everyone in the congregation knows what's going on in your life right uh and not like with ill intent like, no, they, but just, they like, know by they care the about nature me. of... Right, and they want to know yeah. about their pastor's family. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, my dad is an important person by nature of being a pastor to a lot of people. Right. And part of them knowing about him is knowing about me. Right. By proxy, you become an important part of the community as well. Right. For sure. And um, that never bothered me, but it was kind of, like... Like, I would show up at church on Sunday, not for my own, like, personal gain. <laughs> <laughs> but... Like to be the pastor's daughter in that community, right, um, and I would say I wasn't like a perfect pastor's kid, and I w- you know, like there's kind of this like stereotype I think that either your pastor's kid is like goody two shoes, toes are straight and narrow, mm-hmm. like perfect like poster child, right or... or like totally a drug addict and like, yeah, completely like off the rails yeah. doesn't go to church, you know like and i I liked to think that I kind of like walked to like a middle ground of that, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't a perfect pastor's kid, but I wasn't, like, a terrible one either. So, like, I feel like I was more focused on that than I really was on my faith. Um,
1: Interesting. This is very different. Spoiler alert. Than my childhood. Yeah, <laughs>
0: not at all surprising. <laughs> uh, I will also say, so when I was, so typically in the Lutheran faith, kids um, get confirmed, which is an affirmation of baptism, um, when they're, like, early high school.
1: Yeah, and like which grade. is a process. Which, if you are part of most Christian denominations, you will probably be familiar with. Yeah, but confirmation is usually like a two-year process where, like, once a week you meet for like an hour, and it can be kind of a structured or unstructured as like the specific church makes it usually it is more structured than like a youth group or a sunday school
0: well yeah because the point is to like learn about like you learn like luther's small catechism and you read a lot of the bible and you mm-hmm. like walk through like a timeline of church history and...
1: In other denominations that aren't lutheranism you do other things but uh right. yes typically it's a lot of like studying of the bible and biblical times and like how that relates to you and your life and then at the end of it you get confirmed and it's an affirmation of baptism um
0: all of this to say that i wasn't confirmed (laughs) uh fabric didn't do confirmation that formally with kids we did do weekly youth group
1: um Mm -hmm.
0: where we definitely talked about god (laughs) and learned things their emphasis was on it was they called it rope rites of passage experiences Mm -hmm. centered around like community building and Mm -hmm. Making sure, like, you know that you are a part of this community and valued by this community and that all of these people are here for you and that God is here for you too. But, yeah, like, growing up, I very closely associate any personal growth I made in my faith with stuff I did at camp and not necessarily stuff I did at any of the churches I was involved in. And this camp specifically is? Christicon. But, in Montana. Yeah. I'm not going to get there yet. Okay. I'm sorry. So, that's, yeah, that's kind of where I was at. Yeah. I moved to Duluth for college and didn't really go to a church i tried a couple different no not even i tried one church (laughs) in duluth a couple times um but didn't really i mean you try being 19 and going to church alone like it's not it's not a good time no that's i remember my freshman year it was easter and i had this group of friends and one kid had i guess like found this church that he'd been going to and then one of the other girls in the group was also a lutheran like me and i wasn't going home for easter and neither was this girl or this guy And so we were going to go to church together for Easter to this church that this um, kid had been going to. And I remember like the night before the other girl texted me and she was like, so I looked up (laughs) the church (laughs) that he goes to and he had a ride like figured out for Mm -hmm. himself and us too maybe. And she was like, I looked up the church that he goes to and I don't, it doesn't really drive with me. I don't know what it was about it, but like, I remember her like. She was like, I don't really want to go, and I was like, If you're not going, I'm not going. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Which seems it's it sounds like I'm not gonna like open myself to a new experience because it doesn't look like anything I recognize, and like now <laughs> would I go to it probably? But at that point, I was like, Yeah, I don't need this. So, right. We didn't go because
1: you were looking for a sense of like familiarity, familiarity right, in that
0: moment, and that's not what that's was not being what presented to yeah, you. Yeah, I was actually I was pretty sad to be missing Easter with my family where was I going with that so like okay I didn't really go to church in college I mean I would go like when I went home to visit my family I really was excited about that um but I didn't really go and now I work at a church
1: yeah also I will say like knowing what your school load looked like and also knowing that you did not have a car for like the entire time you were in college Sundays were like doing homework days because being members well, if
0: you did your homework, <laughs> if I did my homework.
1: Um, because being part of the theater department meant that we were in rehearsal six to ten every night.
0: Sometimes six to ten on Sundays. Right. And then or having to show up on a Sunday for a tech rehearsal. Yeah. Or a strike or a show. Like Yeah, so like typically there was not time.
1: no. And there are sort of two very distinct experiences you have as a college student going to a new church. One, you have no idea what you're doing, no one really talks to you, and you just feel very out of place, and, like, you don't know what's going on the whole time. Or, two, the vultures descend. They are overly friendly. Right. They're like, there is young blood here. <laughs> we need to nurture. Right.
0: Yeah. Being, like, too Because, well- like, I don't like making, like, small talk with strangers. Right. But, like, if you show up at a church, like, that's what they want to do. Right. And it's really... It's a vulnerable place to be like, yeah, I'm here alone. Right. <laughs> like, and so, honestly, if you're a college student who goes to church on Sundays, props to you because I didn't. <laughs> truly. Um, all right. Jumping back all the way to the beginning, before I was even born, my parents met working at a Lutheran Bible camp called Christicon in – it's in southwestern Montana. Um, they met when they were on – yeah, they were both counselors there, and then eventually my dad became the head cook. Um, They worked a summer after they had gotten married, too very cute very good all of this is a way of saying my brother and i were basically born to be camp counselors yeah like it wasn't it always was an option to not be counselors at ChristCon, but like but you it have like needed a reason yeah <laughs> it was not an option and so then i grew up going to this camp when i was very young we would go for like family camps or just to visit or church retreats or that kind of thing um, the church we went to in Montana was a part of the community of churches that su- supported this camp. And then once I hit late, it was like fifth grade, I think, um, I started going as a camper. And so every summer I would go to Christacon for a week-ish and be a camper there. And Christacon, you know, opens the day with worship, ends the day with worship. There's time for Bible study in there. There's time for quiet time to like be alone with God or just read your book that's what i or often do or take a nap or take a nap in the meadow like uh there's lots of games and singing and fun um but also lots of learning about
1: god yes and also because it's in montana lots of hiking yes that is very specifically like a big deal at this yeah time.
0: that's the activity that you do is hike and then when you're there like as a middle school and high school student for a week in camp you get to go on an overnight where you sleep under plastic tarps in the woods because we don't have enough tents (laughs) because there are
1: other groups because
0: yeah then there are other groups out on week-long backpacks um which i didn't backpack until after my senior year of high school um so when you were a counselor no i went after i graduated i went one more time oh i suppose yeah yeah. um we went we took a a prince of peace youth trip it was my dad me and my brother our youth director and one other kid (laughs) it was awesome uh we got to we didn't have to take a van we got to take just like a big suburban um but i couldn't drive even though i was very used to that road trip i couldn't drive because it was a church trip right so christicon was like a big deal to our family to my summers my brother was a camper there too um like there was always time for christicon yeah and yeah it was a big part of my faith formation and it was kind of like i would get to christicon and i do like a lot of like crash course like growing in my faith and then i would leave christicon and it would kind of just like stay stagnant for the rest of the year um which like maybe not the greatest model (laughs) but i think i credit it to like maintaining faith through all of that time because like i don't know if i would have necessarily yeah so i was an in-camp camper for nine years and then a backpacker for one year so 10 years total as a camper Mm -hmm. big deal um and, like, not to say that, like, my family was, like, KristaCon like, celebrities. But! <laughs> but, like, when I would get there at the summer, at the, or at the start of my camp session, all of the staff would already have heard at least about me, if not already know me. Right. And um, you are
1: not the only person to have this experience. There no, there's are many, other. many couples who have met at this camp yeah. and then now have children. Right.
0: Yeah. Especially my age. So, we also grew up, like... Once we moved to Minnesota, especially, um, a lot of my parents, friends that they had met working at camp also lived in the Twin Cities. And so, like, I grew up with that the kind of extended family as well yeah. of Christocon people. And they all have kids who are a little bit younger than me, mostly. Yeah. Um, and mostly boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like, those friends were very important to us as well. Um, so all of this was just a big, long, inevitable... Uh, lead up to the summer after my freshman year of college. I worked on staff at Christicon. I went back um, the next summer and then the summer after that. So I was on staff for the summers of 2019. No, 2018, 2019, and 2020. My first summer I was mostly a counselor, and which is awesome. I loved being a counselor. It was a lot of fun. And then my second summer I was like, I would say 50% counselor, 50% in the kitchen. Um, my boss, <laughs> my first summer I served in the kitchen for like one week. My boss literally looked at me. We were standing in the kitchen. He was like, Your dad owned a restaurant. You know how our kitchen works. And I was like, No, I don't. <laughs> I was never allowed in the kitchen of the restaurant. Right. Because also you like, were a child. Right. Where like the hot <laughs> flames are. Right. <laughs> and like so many people to get in the way of. Mm-hmm. Like I was allowed in the dish pit to drop off dishes from the tables my dad was making me clear, but <laughs> not in the kitchen. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I can work in the kitchen. I loved working in the kitchen. It was the best. Because uh, then my third summer, I ended up working almost entirely in the kitchen. Yeah. I think I had one cabin and one backpack. If that. I don't... Yeah, I had one cabin. Yeah, my time at christicon was important not because of um, the campers I had. <laughs> <laughs> Although they there are certainly... All of my campers have had an impact on my life. There are a couple that I think have had a very great impact on my life and i hope that i have had a good impact on theirs but the relationships i made with other staff were very important we start every summer with two weeks of staff training um which includes learning how to run the camp and how to handle kids and how to backpack that was actually like an entirely separate third week where we went on a backpack (laughs) together to learn how to backpack how to lead overnights what kinds of games we played at camp but also how to talk about the bible how to talk about god how to talk about our faith Christicon is an ELCA camp, and so how to talk about the Lutheran faith specifically. Mm-hmm. Can you
1: expand on that just a little bit? Because it is very different from, like, my church camp experience, and so I'm guessing What you, do you mean? Uh, the ways in which you were instructed to talk about faith, because I, it's very different from what I experienced when I went to a different camp.
0: I Actually, yeah, so I don't know. I think it's less about, like, ways we were instructed to talk about faith and more of like, so we had a, every year we would have a specific Bible study program that mm-hmm. was five days long because that's how, um, how long kids would be at camp for. There would be like half days on each end where they would arrive and leave, but there's right. five like full program days. And so we would go through all of the Bible studies together just as staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and those conversations were very important and like often like gave me lots of notes to then point to later in my Bible studies with my, youth it's been a hot minute since i've led a bible study so (laughs) i'm trying to remember but then also like kind of learning about you know we learned about luther and the reformation you don't have to be lutheran to work at christicon or to attend or to attend you don't have to have any faith to come to christicon yeah and there is no pressure to become christian even after i think i do think like it would be pretty awkward to not have a little bit of faith or to like not have some kind of context for Christian faith going to Christicon mm-hmm. because it's a lot of worship and a lot of prayer and a lot of Bible study. But in a much more like relaxed. Yeah, it's pretty chill.
1: Yeah. Like there are a lot lower expectations.
0: Yeah. Well, I would say there's no expectations. Yeah. I mean, the expectation is that you do it. Right. Like I, <laughs> my first summer on staff, I had this cabin and and having Bible study with them was straight up like pulling teeth. Like, it was so <laughs> difficult to get them to talk or engage in what we were doing. So, we played a lot of games. And we did a lot of drawing because they really like to draw. It was also, it was me and a co-counselor and three campers. Love that. It was an atypically small cabin. Yeah. But, um, and we had we were supposed to have a fourth camper, but she ended up missing the bus or something. And then, like, not coming to camp. Um, Not because she missed the bus, but because of some other like that when she missed the bus was the first time we had any indication that she might not be coming got it um you know the expectation is that during that hour hour and a half which i think is too long but <laughs> <laughs> um, that hour and a half in the morning where we're having bible study the expectation is that you are with your cabin group and that your counselor is leading you in some kind of organized activity and is also leading you through the bible study program for that day how long actually going through the bible study program for that day takes spoiler alert it's not an hour and a half <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but you know like i remember being a camper and having conversations that took up that whole time right cuz like we as a group of campers were just very chattier you know and like sometimes you would pair your occasionally like on the overnight your cabin would get sent out like a girls cabin would get sent out with a boys cabin for the overnight or two girls cabins would go out together or two boys cabins like and so those would be called family groups And so if you had a family group that week, you might have your Bible study with your family group or you might have it separately because developmentally, like, boys and girls are kind of at different places in middle school. And I remember, like, the conversations I would have, like, with just my, like, girls cabin being a lot different than the conversations we would have when it was, like, us and the boys. Yeah. There's also an interesting dynamic
1: whenever you put a group. Middle school girls and boys together?
0: Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, I think, like, I've noticed, like, less of that now. Like, I think kids are just, like, becoming more aware of, like gender in different ways but
1: and you have had campers that are trans and that is something that that are not girls yes yes mm-hmm. yeah a- in my cabin as a female counselor yes um but just like as a very specific like this
0: generally girls generally boys
1: generally girls generally boys but that is not to say that krista is exclusive of anyone based on mm-hmm. gender identity and especially you being that campers counselor
0: Yeah, so I I was an LGBTQ studies minor, Mm -hmm. and my co-counselor was a gender studies minor, and we just happened to have the trans camper. (laughs) mm, Seems a little bit, like, God interfering (laughs) on our behalf. (laughs) Or perhaps Mark. (laughs) No, I don't think it was Mark. No, because Mark didn't know until this camper showed up. Oh, didn't. This camper didn't actually, like, share their identity with us fully until, like, halfway through the week. Yeah. That first summer. But, like, the expectation was, like, if a kid, like, had questions about faith and we didn't feel like we were able to answer it fully, we could be like, do you want to talk to Mark about it? Mark was the, um, pastor, director. Is. Well, the, is. He still is. Yeah. Was. <laughs> is. I um, like my boss, but also, yeah, he's a pastor. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, it was kind of like, well, if a kid says, like, I don't believe in God, you're like, okay. Cool. Like, there was no, like, pressure to, like, make kids conform to anything. Like this is so interesting. Like a kid, <laughs> I. It was like the last week, the last day of Bible study, and one of my campers was like, "I don't believe in God," and I was like, "You could have mentioned that like at the beginning of the week." <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay, cool." Like you know, you're still. I was like, "I do believe in God." Obviously, <laughs> I work here. Like you're still a beloved child of God. Like, I was like, "I'm happy that you've spent this week with us and engaged in this community with us." Like it's not. I didn't handle that as good as I could have. But it wasn't like, you have to. Like, yeah, it was, there was no, like, what do you mean you've
1: gone through this whole week and I haven't said something that has made you change your mind? Like, right.
0: What do you mean? I haven't convinced you that God is real. Right. <laughs> I'm 19. Like, of course I haven't convinced you that God is real. <laughs> you know, I think I did a pretty good job of like being a good leader for that group, but I was no surprise to me when that kid was like, I don't believe in God. I was like, yeah, I haven't failed. <laughs> like, um And you know, that kid continued to be a part of their church community that they had come to camp with and I ran into them a couple of years later. And I don't know where they're at with their faith right now. They're still loved. Like yeah. Um it's not some great failing of the camp or of them or of their church. I don't know. So does that differ from how you Uh yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um moving so past yeah. camp to how now? your faith is now. Yeah. Um I would say my faith has really kind of like gone through this like overhaul in the last couple months, even. I talked in the intro about engaging with all this like Christian content that didn't align with my views of Christianity. And I think in arguing against that content to no one besides Katie, like I never commented, <laughs> I never like said anything. And I really don't want this podcast to be like bashing other people's views. No, 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 no but unless they're like endangering other people or harming others some of their views eh, but (laughs) (laughs) it's not like a call out podcast no uh like i think it made it easier for me to articulate what i believe and what camp had taught me through all those years it's just like i never had to talk about it very Mm -hmm. specifically right like i knew what i believed and like definitely you know when i interviewed for my job i had to talk specifically about my faith but like since then I (laughs) didn't. Until you met me. Until I met Katie and she introduced (laughs) homophobia into my life. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah. So, like, because the other thing is my faith has never – this is kind of like the tagline I say about my faith when it comes to my sexuality. There was never a point in me figuring out my faith or in me figuring out my sexuality where I thought that my faith would be a barrier to being who I was. And I never thought being who I was would be a barrier to my faith. They're both, like, deeply interconnected, interwoven. And it's never, like, being gay has never seemed like a negative thing, especially in my faith life. In fact, I think it's in some ways made my faith a lot richer. Mm -hmm. Because in recent years and specifically recent months, I've had to do a lot of defending of the fact that I believe that I'm fine. In the eyes of God, yeah, that <laughs> God has no issue <laughs> with who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I mean that's been the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know. Oh, the church I work at now. I've been talking for so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the church I work at now. I ended up at. I've I had been working as a nanny. I'm still working as a nanny. I was driving to Katie's aunt's house for Easter dinner. And I was just kind of, like, thinking about my life and where I was headed. I had already dropped out of school at that point. Out of the blue, had the thought, I should be a youth director. Completely out of the blue. Now, is it a strange thought for someone who has been a camp counselor to become a youth director? No. Certainly, KristaCon staffers have done it before. <laughs> and, you know, we have dinner. Like, I kind of just, like, pushed that thought away. Like, we're having dinner or whatever. After dinner, um, I was sitting feeling i had heartburn <laughs> and so I felt pretty bad <laughs> this was in the middle of my like four day stint of heartburn mm-hmm. um i was like sitting katie was like braiding her cousin's hair or something i don't know what you're talking about she goes oh this reminds me i saw a job posting today that i think you would be really great for and i was like do tell because earlier in the day
1: i had been working at my job as a church secretary administrative assistant if you will and uh, the ELCA puts out, like, I think biweekly, basically, like, email newsletters. I don't read them. Yeah, neither do I, which is why the story is interesting. So, and I'm on many email lists where I get forwarded these emails, so I get each of these emails, like, probably six times, like, not an exaggeration. And so I usually, I'll open the first one, you know, kind of, like, maybe skim the first, like, third of it, because that's usually where anything pertinent to me would be there are job postings at the very very bottom of these email newsletters these emails that you usually don't read these emails that i usually don't read rarely do i read the first third never in my life have i scrolled to the bottom before this day i did not even know there were job postings down there and this day for whatever reason i read the whole thing and i got to the bottom and i saw job opening youth director and i opened it and i read
0: it you initially thought thought about if you would do it
1: yeah i did because i was at the time i was not working full-time and i was and the job was 10 hours a week and so i was like oh i could definitely do that i'm only working 30 hours a week right now but then the time that they needed would, would have interfered and then i thought oh but this would be great for della
0: so like i hadn't shared with katie the fact that i had thought oh i should be a youth director katie just said oh i saw this email. <laughs> With this job posting that I think you'd be really great for. And I was like, that's funny. That's what I was just thinking <laughs> yeah. about today. Probably, like, at the same time you were reading the email. Probably, yeah. Like, um, and so then I look up the church website and then I remember a conversation we had had that I had had with my parents when they visited Duluth sometime previous where we drove by the church. And my mom was like, oh, I know the pastor there. And so I text my parents. I'm like, do we know this pastor? My mom was like, oh, yeah, I worked at him or I worked with him at this church camp that they worked at that was not Christicon <laughs> My mom did one summer at a church camp that wasn't christicon and she met this pastor there mm-hmm. and they worked together. So, like, that small world connection. I mean, the Lutheran church is a small world. Yeah. So then I, like, go and I interview at this church. I mean, that's kind of like I wrote a cover letter and I sent off a resume uh, to this pastor and I was like, hey. By the way, you know my mom. Like I right. I just was upfront about that. <laughs> I was like, my mom knows you. Um, I mean, they had interacted for one summer years ago. So it wasn't like a big connection. Right. And then I interviewed with them and like by the end of my interview, they were were offering me the job. Yeah. So I like called my dad after the interview to like talk about it. And he was like, What are you gonna do if you don't get the job and i was like still go to this church it's amazing like yeah. <laughs> I, I fell totally in love with the community just from what i had read about them online and then meeting them i was like yeah like i have to know these people and have to be connected to this mm-hmm. community and my they actually called me in the middle of my conversation with my dad to like officially offer me the job but like by the end of it the pastor was literally like it would be great to have you start in may right <laughs> like we're offering 13 an hour like so that moment is so serendipitous that you have to be like okay god like <laughs> like the way i was led to that community is like so like it's too perfect yeah like it's it's too good yeah And it's just this moment of like knowing that that's where i needed to be so yeah and, then, and that's where i'm at now i don't know are there do you have other questions i didn't really talk a lot about what i believe yeah but um, i think you're better at articulating like what we believe that's true
1: if you could expand on the non-homophobicness of your upbringing
0: oh yeah so the non-homophobicness of my upbringing i mean like credit to my parents and my community i I literally never thought that being gay was an issue which is so wild to most people yeah i recognize that i am totally privileged and blessed by that Mm -hmm. like the fact that i was raised in a church and i don't have religious trauma truly astounding yeah (laughs) (laughs) like um, especially as a gay person being raised in a church. Right. Yeah, like, I wasn't even really aware that being gay was something that, like, would not be cool until the ELCA voted on whether or not they would extend calls to uh, queer people. um, And then also, right when we moved to Minnesota, there was some stuff happening with marriage equality. I was in fourth grade, so forgive me for not knowing <laughs> what was going on. I definitely remember like going to a some kind of rally i think it was like a prop eight thing
1: in mm, california but yeah. like
0: we were doing it was like a solidarity like a solidarity protest in the cities yeah um and my little sign that i taped to the front of my scooter for my protest <laughs> said uh love your neighbor as yourself and you were not out at Which, this point. no i was in fourth grade like i didn't know i, I mean some people know Right, yeah, I didn't, I I don't think I was aware of any crushes on anyone in fourth Mm, grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, In hindsight, I don't know if anyone ever really thought I was straight. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was pretty gay, kid. Uh, My parents were allies long before I had an inkling that I might be gay. Your grandparents were as well. Yeah, my grandparents were as well. Like, I don't think any of my family members have really ever had, of my, like, close-knit family members. There are certainly, like, outer reaches that are, like, not as onto it, into it, but... Um, when I was in like eighth grade, Minnesota was, there was a big push to get the Minnesota constitution changed to say that marriage is between one man and one woman and right. that was overturned. And then, uh, gay marriage was legalized in Minnesota before it was legalized nationally. Right. Um, and my mom like pulled my brother and I out of school to phone bake for that campaign and to go to the Capitol when it was legalized. It was really awesome. <laughs> uh like to i like missed a whole day of school which i mean was great but
1: (laughs) (laughs) it was great regardless of the reason
0: (laughs) but we went to the Capitol and spent all day there like protesting and like while the i think it was the senate was voting on whether or not to legalize gay marriage and like the whole like rotunda of the Capitol was just filled with people there and so then when it was announced that it had passed like it was this huge celebration and i remember like feeling like so like it was so important to be a part of that moment and it was like so cool I did not have any inkling that it applied to me (laughs) like it was news to me (laughs) because I didn't come out until like two years later Mm -hmm. I didn't even like realize that I was gay. you didn't even really come out (laughs) not really yeah (laughs) so kind of like touching on my coming out story a little bit March of my freshman year of high school I kind of like had this moment where I was like oh I'm a lesbian Like, actually, I think at that time I even just wrote gay because lesbian felt, like, too, like, I hadn't used it in conversation enough or, like, Mm -hmm. heard it used around me enough to, like, feel comfortable with it. It felt kind of, like, not icky, but, like, you couldn't quite, like, like, so clearly there was, like, some internalized something going on there. So I was, like, gay. I'm gay. Mm -hmm. And then, like, that fall I started coming out to people by the start of my sophomore year i like posted on tumblr i was like i want to kiss girls <laughs> and then i also national coming out day was the first time i told anyone mm-hmm. that's october 11th this is why i know the date so specifically i texted my friend hannah i stayed up until midnight of the t- like i stayed up late on the 10th and waited until midnight and then i texted my friend hannah because they are queer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i knew that and uh and also lived in a different state so it was like very safe mm-hmm. and so i texted hannah i was like happy national coming out day i'm gay and they were like congratulations so am i and i was yeah. like yeah we, we you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and then not too long after that i posted like something on my tumblr that was like i like girls and then thanksgiving weekend we were in montana i was in the car with my mom my dad and my brother were in the other car and we were driving from red lodge to billings which is an hour-long drive and my mom goes hey i saw something on your tumblr because my mom knew all of my social media accounts uh as a teenager not your like passwords and stuff. not my passwords but she like any public account i had or like any account i had she had to have access to to see what right. i was posting which i didn't think she ever looked at my tumblr because all i did was like reblog doctor who stuff and like down and down nabby stuff like i was very <laughs> nerdy <like. laughs> and honestly i don't think she looked that frequently no she just happened to look and see that i said i liked girls I think, in my, like, bio. Like, I was not being that secretive about it. Yeah. So, I don't I don't think I really should have been surprised. Because you've never been anything if not dramatic. Right. So, my <laughs> mom was like, hey, it's on your Tumblr that you said you like girls. Is that true? And I was like, yep. And then we had, like, this big, long cry, but it wasn't about me being gay. It was, like, the fact that I had to come out to her. Mm-hmm. That's what we were crying about. And then she was like, do you want me to tell your brother and your dad? And I was like, no. I want to tell them. And so that night we would like went to a movie or something and then i drove in the car with my dad and i don't know how familiar you are with fun home the musical mm-hmm. but there's this song in it called telephone wire and it's allison bechdel sitting in the car with her dad and she's trying to come out to him and she like keeps saying like okay like at the light i'll do it mm-hmm. or like at the and she's like watching the telephone wires like right out the window and she's like all right when we get to this light I'll tell him. When we get to this light, I'll tell him. You know, like... This is Alison Bechdel, the... Of the Bechdel test. Of the Bechdel test, Alison Bechdel. Um, Fun Home is a great musical. It's based on a graphic novel. Both are wonderful. It was totally... Like, in that car with my dad, trying to tell him that I was gay. was totally a telephone wire moment. I wasn't worried about his reaction. It was just, like, it felt like a big part of me to be sharing. Mm -hmm. I was ready to, like... Like, if I wasn't ready, I could have totally told my mom I don't want to tell him yet. Right. And but that would have been okay. But, yeah, and it was one of those times where, like, we were leaving my dad in Montana for a couple weeks, and my mom and my brother and I were going back to Minnesota. So, it was kind of like, tell him now, or my mom has to not tell her husband about this for a couple right. weeks. Right, yeah. And I just, like, didn't want to do that to her. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Finally, when we pulled into the driveway at my grandma's house, I was like, hey, I have to tell you something, okay? And... <laughs> and then we like got out of the car i was like i don't want to have a conversation about this. <laughs> so then my dad and my mom kind of had a conversation about it while my brother and i got ready for bed and then i ended up going into my parents room to talk to them i think and my dad's biggest concern was not who i was he was worried i was going to be bullied spoiler alert i wasn't bullied i was like a fully out and proud lesbian in high school not one person i also like wasn't known by a lot of kids in my high school my school was pretty big right and like I wasn't and by the popular. end you ended up being Bjorn's I was sister. yeah I was being I was known as Bjorn's sister Bjorn is my younger brother yeah. <laughs> but he was wow. a BMOC yeah big man on campus that boy I mean he was the lead in all the musicals like, yeah <laughs> everyone knew him, and he was just he's a nice guy like <laughs> a good dude he's a great dude he's very friendly with a lot of people so I was known as his sister Anyway, I'm trying to, like, wrap this up. My brother and I were sharing a bed that night, and so I went and crawled into bed with him. And I was like, hey, by the way, I like girls or something. I'm a lesbian. And he was like, okay, cool. And then I stuck my cold feet on him to warm up, and he said, I don't care who you like. You can't put your cold feet on me. (laughs) And that was it. Very cool. He was, like, I was – like, he was a seventh-grade boy at that point. So, like, props to him for being cool. Right, but Um, also, like – But also, (laughs) nothing about his upbringing would ever, like, give him the option to not be cool about it. Mm -hmm. So, that was that. And then, like, a couple weeks later, I shaved off most of my head, showed up to school. One of my friends said, you look like a lesbian. And I said, I am. And that was it. I didn't come out to a single person after that. Until college. Until college. And I had, I was like, crap, I have to come out to all these new, I was like, how am I going to tell all these new people that I'm gay. I showed up to college with a shaved head. It was not a secret. <laughs> no. Also, your Instagram bio was lesbian thespian. Oh, actually, I did that on purpose because I knew that I would be meeting a lot of new people, and yeah. I needed to just like get it out. Right. right. Yeah. Because <laughs> like I coming out like that was so chill that like I just didn't need to spend time on it mm-hmm. because I was in a safe situation. Like it did. It was never a big deal, which I is. I am so lucky yeah to have now like having met you and like other queer people i'm like oh like i lucked out with this situation absolutely now so you know that's it. my entire life story yeah Della and christ in your ears spilling her guts um next time until next time <laughs> out, we're never gonna figure out an ending can we please um thank you for listening to grace all around a queer faith podcast and if you're listening to this right when we released it, hi, we're so excited that you're here. Thanks. Listening to our podcast. Um, now you know everything you need to know about me. And more. I'm so excited to keep making podcast episodes for you. The end. Okay, bye. See ya. Ahem. voice. <laughs>